Sessions. Welcome to Hearthaholics, a Hearthstone strategy podcast about sitting back, chatting with friends, and figuring out how to be more awesome at this game. I am your host, Brian. This is episode eight. I really hope I updated my notes, but you know I'm going to trust that I did. (laughs) Joining me today. Oh, awesome. All right, two co-hosts. Andres. Hello, Andres. How are you doing? Hey, Brian. How's it going? It is going very well. I'm, I'm very happy that this is actually episode eight. That means we are two episodes away from our 10th anniversary. Woo! Yeah, we need to play in a crazy party. Yeah, we should do like a podcast party or something like that. Exactly. Get drunk on Hearthstone. And also, <laughs> also joining me is Billy. Hello, Billy. Hello. Hi, Brian. I've been not playing too much Hearthstone this week. That's because, what I was thinking. I hadn't because heard Batman. Much. Because Batman. You know, first it was Netflix. Now it's Batman. Before yeah. that, it was RuneScape. Um, yeah. To think it Shit. used to be Hearthstone, keeping you from everything else. Yeah, well, I'm getting back into Hearthstone. I'm yeah. I'm using Hearthstone as my. Don't you worry. Next season, yeah. I'm, I'm gonna play a lot of Hearthstone. Fantastic. As of right now, there's not much reason to because like four days left to season. But hey, oh. Arena, um, testing out yeah, stupid decks. Speaking of decks, you put something up on our channel this last weekend. I did the Beat Stick Draw deck, which yes. is uh, pretty awesome. If you guys haven't seen that, I recommend you go check it out because I want everybody's opinion on that deck. Because it, I think it's a, actually a really, really like solid druid deck right now, and yeah. unfortunately, there's um, there's like no counter to uh, patron warrior in it, which does make it frustrating to play sometimes. But mm. meh, that's fun. Well, I did see you got one comment from one of our uh, regular listeners and friends at the game night, so go ahead and check that out. Oh, I didn't. Damn. Yeah. I didn't see that. Yeah, yeah, it's on I'm your first video, that. so you can go ahead and, and look at that. Oh, but he had some, some beat thoughts stick on druid. It. That's a very interesting name. Where where did that name come from? I, <laughs> I, I want to know that exactly story. the same thing. Well, I explain it in the video. So you go check. <laughs> no, um, in the video I explained that. There you go, guys. It's 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 made. Uh, it, the name comes from the idea of every single one of the minions kind of stick to the board, so that there's a way to trigger savage draw every turn. So you're always kind of threatening lethal, and oh, I, I figured that all the minions stick to the board, and in other and trading card games, you. yeah, they beat, you. they beat you. And in other <laughs> trading card games, usually people use the term, I think it's like um, like a beater, like that's the idea of a minion that just sticks to the, mm-hmm. well, a, a card that sticks to the board, and is able to control the board for you for quite some time. Mm-hmm. So... Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. I just love the name, and I love how you like the art you did for the thumbnails is fantastic. So, everyone, <laughs> yeah, check out the just look up Hearthaholics, not Healthaholics. YouTube is going to try to make no. you search Healthaholics. YouTube is so rude with that. <laughs> I, I'm genuinely frustrated that every t- single time I try to look up Hearthaholics and I see Healthaholics, I'm like, yep. you know what? How how dare you have a similar name I to us? Done, I should have done more specific research and coming up with our name, but oh well. Uh, but even <laughs> if you type in... Uh, name is perfect, though. Like, you, even if you, we knew of them, we have to try and dethrone them because this name is just too good. We have to get more good. subscribers than, than Healthaholics. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, even if you type in Hearthstone Podcast, we should come up pretty soon. So yeah, check that out. He uh, Billy, you released three episodes. Uh, I, I did yeah. publish your episode for you today. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I saw that. I appreciated that. Um... Yeah, I'm I'm going to probably take it back down to two rather than yeah, having that three. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, 
just because it spills out onto a Monday for Australian and I believe UK, no, not UK viewers, but mm. it's, it's easier for it to just be a Saturday and a Sunday for everybody. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I just think that's better. I think we're going to go back to a, well, going to go to a two video format rather than a three video format. Yeah, Plus I've already okay. recorded this week's one. So yes, we're definitely doing that. <laughs> Awesome. I look forward to seeing what, what is it another just deck you're, uh, you're previewing here that you came up with? Uh, I'm playing the Japanese priest this week because I okay. mainly I wanted to show you the deck to be honest and I was too <laughs> lazy to show you it in game, but it's a pretty good deck and it's very board control focused. So I think All it's right. a deck that, that you would enjoy. It's right up my alley. Yeah. I had a really interesting conversation with Vincent, um, over this last, I think it was this last week about Tempo Mage. He absolutely hates Tempo Mage. Uh, so it was interesting revisiting that deck and just hearing someone come at it from a completely critical point of view, pointing out all of the flaws in it, et cetera. Um, and he, he brought up some strong points. I, I think that deck does have a lot of weaknesses to it. Um, primarily, if it doesn't get a strong start, it's very hard to come back with it. And it doesn't have a lot of strong counters to what's out there right now. Um, but in, in any case, maybe because of my low rank or something else, it, it did very well for me. And I think it also, when it gets on a roll, it can absolutely stomp people. Um, when when played right so very nice that was interesting to revisit but yeah so it, not for you billy but for us here it is a memorial day weekend um which means that we have three days off instead of two <laughs> uh or most people do yeah so yeah um billy what have you been up to it's a short weekend for you right yeah it's just a standard weekend yeah um so I, no, I, no fun grillings out with friends. Yeah, it's a lot of grilling going on around here. <laughs> <laughs> the amount of meat consumed in America over this, like, three days is probably terrifying. A lot of grilling and a lot of beer. I would love to know those stats, though. Oh, like, yeah. Like, how much meat is actually consumed on, on that day. That'd be you know, I, I don't have those right in front of me, unfortunately. That, w- that would be great. <laughs> I had them in the Why show aren't notes. you ready with all these world <laughs> facts, Brian? It is your job. It it is a meat grilling podcast. Right, I, I this, thought you <laughs> you were keeping up with the meat industry. What is wrong? Damn, man. Uh, I, yeah, I've really fallen behind. I've been playing too much Hearthstone. It's, it's my fault. <laughs> I apologize. But yeah, Billy, what have you been up to? If you haven't been, you know, drinking beer and grilling meat, then what the heck have you been doing? Uh, Batman's pretty fun. Oh yeah, uh, Batman. I'm playing a lot of that, um, mainly because obviously I haven't yet, and I've been playing a lot of Heroes of the Storm. Because mm-hmm. that's also fun. What if you could play as Batman in Heroes of the Storm? You have no idea how much I would love that. Like, <laughs> I'm pretty sure I would never play any other game ever until you got his master skin, and then you would, you know, maybe they can do games. like a skin for it, like for um, Illidan. Illidan? Yeah, <laughs> yeah for Illidan, or, for, or was the other one that uh, goes into the shadows? Oh, Tassadar. Tass. No, Zeratul. Zeratul. I get yeah. this mixed yeah, up every time. Yeah, that'd be sick. Oh. Yep. Please, dude, if they got the license for, for <laughs> DC characters and they could make, like, DC skins, ugh. Given that DC <laughs> currently has a MOBA, well, maybe it could be, like, cross-promotion, where they're like, go play the DC yeah, MOBA. Really? Now they have a MOBA? The- yeah. Yeah, DC Universe has a, uh, a MOBA. It's called Infinity Crisis, and yes, when they play it. When did this come out? Yeah, with it. <laughs> mm, I don't know. Six months ago, I haven't been yeah, keeping track. Nah, of it came out a while ago. Yeah, it no, was. I, you well, have not I think it was in like a beta phase it. for quite some time. Yeah, it wasn't yeah. very popular because the competitive scene for MOBAs don't like the game because there's a lot of apparently there's a lot of balancing issues and apparently it gets very stale because and I'm saying apparently because I haven't played very much of the game at all. But yeah, 
there's multiple um, different versions for characters which people don't like because you have Batman and then you have Gaslight Batman, which is a Batman from like another comic story, Mm -hmm. right? So, like, the idea is that they have multiple different versions of each character because of the story in that game, which is all the universes kind of crumbled on top of each other. So, now everyone's using living in this, like, alternate universe thing. And it's a so it's kind of like complicated story. comic book story. That's the point. <laughs> <laughs> One day so, I'm going to find a simple comic book story. One day. I don't believe you. I just, <laughs> <laughs> Spider-Man. Just, Simple. Well, actually, <laughs> if, if if you have you seen the original origin of 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 Peter Parker, original origin? I, I don't yeah. think so. <laughs> there was original the original origin. origin of him, like involved a uh, um an abusive childhood, and oh no, he was. Uh, I'm not sure if I'm allowed to get not PG. If I'm if I'm allowed to go beyond the bounds of of PG on this show, go ahead. Uh, but he was. He may or may not have been. Uh, uh, sexually abused as a oh, child. Oh no, that's terrible. That wasn't his uncle and aunt, was it? No, it was not. Okay, okay. So he will save. <laughs> so that would be a huge this was twist like on the, the original one, and then they were yeah. like, "No, no, no, this is too tragic." And then they remade it. Is like the yeah. '60s, or did they go back and do this? In like I, I don't know arc? when this was. I saw this uh, on a okay. Variant Comics video, which is a super popular comic book channel. He yeah. like usually shows off stuff that stuff that's in comics that the mainstream audience doesn't know about, which is what I am. So it's nice yeah. to. And I'm that doubly. That's crazy. Man, Peter Parker seems like such a happy guy. I guess he's had a lot to deal with. Apparently. He copes (laughs) through humor. Yeah, I guess down the line they were like, well, he he would have a lot of trauma if he has this problem as a child. So I don't know how we're going to write the story. And they're like, well, let's just go back. I I feel like it was just changed because it wasn't PG enough and they wanted to be more PG so like children were able to read the story. Mm, That that might be or I could really see it again. I don't know when it happened but maybe the original comic just started out with him you know once he was a teenager with Uncle Ben and Aunt May and later an arc said we need to make his you know dark backstory and maybe they added that in at a later point. I don't know. That's just a complete guess. But I I can see that I just know that it happened at some point in the comics. We need to make it darker. Exactly, that is the way of superheroes, because we all know DC doesn't make anything but horribly listen, dark stuff. Listen, we could go on to a ramble about that. I will defend that 100% you- of the time. I'm telling you that their new movies are not going to be as dark as everybody is assuming. So, shameless plug here, if you want to hear about Billy and I talk about more random like uh, superhero stuff like this, check out the uh, Whales or Whales podcast. Uh, Just go to whalesorwhales.com. It's right there on the front page. We don't have it on iTunes yet, but you can listen to it and download it on our website. And Bill, it was on the last episode. And yeah, there was a lot of Batman talk, etc. There was even more DC talk once we like ended the recording. You and Zach just like could not stop talking about DC. DC is awesome, but (laughs) this is not a DC podcast. This is a Hearthstone podcast. Yeah, that is right. Um, (laughs) So going on to Hearthstone, what have you been up to this last week in Hearthstone, Andres? I've been trying to ladder a lot. Um, I've been trying to get as high as I can. It's, it's getting a little tougher now that I'm up here. I've been trying to stick to only Patron Warrior, and I was having a mm. lot of success uh, last week. But this week, I've really, really had a hard time keeping up with it because everybody seems to be running a little hate against the the good old Patron. <laughs> it's more like uh, a Hatron Warrior now. Yeah, hey, Hatron Warrior. That's a good name yep. for it. <laughs> Uh, there's a lot of control warrior. There's a lot of uh, handlock and like ramp druid 
and mm. uh, a lot of priest with that's very equipped to kind of handle your stuff. So are we actually going to see Black Knight be playable again or, you know, resurge again? Because I would love to start playing that card again. I love Black Knight. If it keeps up like this, I wouldn't doubt. I mean, I think I've already seen like a couple of people uh, with a Black Knight in their deck. I even wow. ran into a Hunter with a Black Knight, which blew my mind. Mm-hmm. But I, I think I, uh, it's a possibility, yeah. Shameless plug on this week's <laughs> videos on the Halfaholics channel. You may or may not see a Black Knight in that deck. Oh my gosh, this uh, this podcast is now sold out to its own <laughs> members. We just in the entire podcast talking about other podcasts and <laughs> well, we're, yeah. we're just pointing out the convenience which is the Whales Are Whales network and exactly. then like everything You don't need to listen to anything else that. except of course the Angry Chicken because we love yeah. them. <laughs> Man, but yeah, man. that's that's really interesting to hear. So, are you you're sticking with Patreon? Are you like making any edits to it, or did you swap? Out I to was sticking deck? to it uh, throughout the whole weekend, but um, this week I started going back a little bit to Handlock because I mm. think that it it is working really well right now. Um, and I a lot of people agree. A lot of the new meta snapshots for the week uh, have pointed at Warlock, especially Handlock, as being as a top tier deck right now. Yeah, I, I agree. It's uh it has very good matchups, and even. Even against the Hunter one, um, it still has a pretty good chance, especially if you take it the right way. Yeah, I really agree with you there. I've been playing pretty much 100% Handlock as well. Um, I'm still learning it. As people know from last episode, this is like my first time ever playing Handlock. So I took the tips you guys had into the battlefield, and I believe I'm at exactly a 50% win ratio right now without counting games I've played on my phone. So, you know, I'm, I'm not failing. So it's going okay. Uh, I'm definitely enjoying it, and one reason it's really fun to play right now is there is so much handlock out there, and handlock versus handlock mirror matchups are just awesome. <laughs> yeah, it's fun to watch as well because there's always the awkward moment of um, are we allowed to do damage to each other? <laughs> if I do damage to you, you can play molten giants, and I don't yeah. like that. It's yeah, always cool. a fun match for me to watch, at least. I used to love that, man. That was ugh. yeah. I miss the days of like. Handlock being prime and and miracle war uh, miracle rogue being prime that would they were some of the funnest yeah. times of Heartstones to me because watching Handlock versus anything is is fun. Well, Handlock is absolutely back. I mean, I'm seeing it. Not only am I playing it in the entire time, but I'm seeing it everywhere. Um, and yeah, I guess the new it. the new miracle rogue, if you will, right now is the patron warrior in terms of you know you got your bursty combo deck out there. Um, so those are interesting matchups. But Handlock does seem to, you know, do pretty well because it has all of those creatures out that have three or more attack and can taunt up. And that's a little bit difficult for Patron Warrior to deal with, especially since he doesn't keep all of the removal from Warrior's traditional, uh, what would you say, quiver. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so it's been, uh, have you had much Handlock practice on the ladder yet, Andres, in these last few days? Uh, yeah, I was running it the whole day today, and so far nice. I've had a pretty good win ratio, especially because there's a lot of uh, Control Warrior out there, and I get really happy when I get a match against a Control Warrior. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I just yeah. have so many threats, and they just have to like respond to all of them. I remember in my old Control Warrior days, it was the deck, still the deck I played the most and got into the highest rank, I think, um, but that was the day when I was so happy to be, I specifically teched in a uh, Black Knight. Because of all the handlock I was running into. And that really swung the game in my favor a lot of yeah, times. Yeah, so like, that's pretty good against handlock. 
Yep, it's that extra removal you want that's just like, oh, do you see that giant? Nope, nope, you don't need more. Yeah. <laughs> now let me play a big game hunter and just seal this deal. So, <laughs> so um, aside from that, I did get the stuff for my new computer, which is I'm really yes! excited about. Yes, you did. So, okay, I wanted to ask you this before the podcast, and I will ask you now, what parts did you end up getting for it? I'm really curious. So I already had the graphics card, and I think I'm going to mm-hmm. stick to it. It's not the best graphics card, but it's a GTX 660. Cool. Yeah, it's going to get the job done. Uh, I got an Asus motherboard, C97A. Okay. It's like, I don't know. The, your it's stand- a motherboard. Yeah, it's a motherboard. Your standard <laughs> has everything you want. USB yeah. 3.1. You so know. long as it has USB ports. Yeah, <laughs> that's about it. Uh, I did get an i5 processor it's the 4690k which is a nice. really good gaming processor i believe that might be the exact one i have but now i'm curious to check but continue i think yeah i think it's really popular for like gaming rigs especially because yep. it's in the rather affordable range yep. um it was the i5 what, what was it the i5 4690k ah that's a little better than mine i had the 3570 so oh cool yeah, yeah, anything in that range is pretty good for gaming, though. Absolutely. Yeah, and uh, I'm really happy I finally got an SSD for it. Oh, yeah, SSDs are the best. You're going to love that. It's amazing. Yes. Even better because uh, today was the Memorial Day sale weekend or whatever. Uh-huh. So I already had That's everything. A thing? Oh, yeah, that is a thing here. so many sales. Uh-huh. <laughs> it's America, man. But uh, I had everything reserved out in the cart already for the store. And then when I logged in today, because I was curious, I was like, I wonder if they're having a sale. I logged in and I had like $100 less than the regular price was. So I was like, oh, "Oh, wow, that's awesome. So I went ahead and got everything today. But I'm not building it till next weekend when my my friend's coming over to help me out. Yeah, in America, even our sales go on sale. It's pretty amazing right here. (laughs) Yeah, there's a lot of sales going around here all the time. Yeah, and Steam. Luckily, Steam, you get to benefit from Billy because that's yeah, part of Steam, our culture. Steam, Steam sales help, but for sure. But that's really access. exciting, Andres. You, uh, you've been dealing with you know um, shared computers and underpowered computers for a long time, so it's really nice to just have that kind of powerhouse of your own to work with. Yes, this it's is something I've been wanting for a long time, and uh, I've been saving for it for a while. Um, I mm-hmm. took my time to do the research, you know, get something yeah, that, that was going to be upgradable for the future. I see yep. it as, a, as an investment, you know? Yeah, that's going to be really solid. Absolutely every Blizzard game is going to be amazing. Uh, yes. If you end up like wanting to, you know, play The Witcher 3 on Ultra, you'll have to do something oh, crazy. I'm so excited. But... This is going to be like my gaming and other gaming-related stuff computer. Yeah. That's that's great. I'm I'm excited to see what you start playing because as Billy has started to branch out, this is going to kind of open the doors for you as well. Yeah, and for see sure. what other kind of video games you guys come up with. All right, so let's jump into our topics here. For people who don't know, every week we each bring one topic about strategies of Hearthstone. Maybe something we want to improve upon. Maybe something we want to complain about. Um, maybe something that we're slipping in that's wildly off topic and we're hoping nobody else notices. We will see. Uh, this week, Andres, I wanted to start with your topic. Sure. So go for it. <laughs> All right. Well, my topic this week um, regards Hearthstone coaching. And is it, is, is it something that might be useful for you? Is it worth it? Mm. Um, would you pay for Hearthstone coaching? And would it be something that benefits you in the long run? Uh, I wanted to talk a little bit about it because for the first time in my life, I had a coaching session for Hearthstone um, last Friday. I was uh, fortunate enough to run into a Reddit post posted by Just Saiyan. He mm-hmm. is a, uh, I don't want to say renowned 
Hearthstone player because he's actually not very known in the scene, but he's known in the pro scene. A lot of the really good players mm-hmm. know him because he finishes top in the ladder um, most of the seasons, at least top 10, and he's had a couple of number one finishes and number two finishes. Um, I also know that he recently became the warrior expert for the Tempo Storm. I like he's, this out of this. Yeah, he's going to be <laughs> the the person in charge of um, covering the warrior for all their meta snapshots uh, because that's his that's his style his class uh he made he made a post about patron warrior which was really interesting and since i've been playing the deck for a while i thought i'd give it a shot and he was offering coaching so i reached out to him he was really kind about it and we had a whole session uh and he went really well i i really enjoyed it he was very insightful um the thing I learned the most. I was taking my time doing making the plays and talking to him and asking him questions about the deck and all that stuff. So we didn't get a chance to play a lot of games, but we won probably 95% of the games that we played. Wow. Um, it was about like, I don't know, 10, 10, 11 games. So yeah, we well, won. Well, I'm going to call tell you out there, Andres, if you play 10 games, it's impossible to win 95%. <laughs> You're right. Yeah. So <laughs> more like more like 91.2. That's even harder, but continue. (laughs) (laughs) All right, so that that sounds really cool. I I actually considered a while back, Dills from the Angry Chicken was offering coaching. And back when I was really new at the game, I was thinking about getting him to coach me on some arena stuff. Because as I've learned more with talking, even, you know, casual players of the game, like you guys last week with uh, Handlock and all that sort of stuff, it's really useful to have someone dedicatedly answer your questions. Because sometimes you have, like, specific plays you want to make or specific questions you have that you can't just find resources for online to answer. Um, and they can adapt more to your play style. So yeah, what what from that session do you think you pulled out learning the most? So um, before we go into the session and all that stuff, I sure. just wanted to touch a little bit in, into if you should get coaching, right? Because I do think that not everyone should go rush and like be like, okay, I'd, what I need is some Harson coaching right now. I think mm. um, you should have like certain level of readiness or you should be prepared or uh, take your time before you go into coaching because honestly especially if you're gonna pay for a coach you're not gonna get much out of it if you're not already very familiar with some of the stuff at least know the deck that you're playing get comfortable with it um, play some games with it and know know what questions you have uh, so that when you go into one of these sessions you actually make the best out of it, right? You you mm-hmm. actually have questions for them. You've played with a deck, so if you've encountered situations that you don't know what to do, so you can ask help through that area. Don't just jump into a session because I feel like um, what you don't want it to end up being is just another person telling you what place to do and you're just doing <laughs> them. And then once you're done with a session, you're in the same spot, not knowing what to do. You right. just had a person just tell you how to play for a second so it sounds like for example if i wanted to get coaching which i don't need by the way because i am perfect at hearthstone so that might be <laughs> my time but you are the best hearthstone player that is true of course yes I, i'm not renowned but you know i'm a hearthstone ninja no one's easy <laughs> uh, but anyway if i for example wanted to get coaching in this alternate universe um i should probably like 
learn the deck beforehand. And I was talking about how there are a lot of other resources. So I should probably, for handlock, you know, talk to you guys, look up other resources online, read deck guides, and learn what I can on my own so that when I bring the coach on, he's not just teaching me the stuff I could have learned elsewhere, but he's teaching me the stuff that I could only learn from an advanced player. Exactly. And then also there there's a lot of people out there who offer coaching. There's a lot of pro mm. players who uh, separate some of the time of their week to... Uh, do some coaching sessions but most of them charge money so <clears throat> you want to come prepared to the sessions and you also want to find a coach that specializes in what you want to learn uh the reason i reached out to just saying was because he was offering um coaching especially for patron warriors that is his main deck right now and it's the thing that he's been playing the most uh him and Zalay both have reached top one this season already using the patron warrior deck so he is very familiar with that, especially with the warrior class in general. So he was a good fit for the type of thing that I wanted to learn. Because um, keep in mind that the sessions last, you know, an hour, two hours if you want to. Um, but during that time, you're not going to have the time to learn everything about the game and switch from deck to deck. You might want to specialize. Pick one deck, mm. pick something that you want to really improve your game on, and then find the coach that specializes in that aspect yeah that makes a lot of sense so what out of curiosity do you know good places to find like what sorts of hearthstone coaching is out there is there a website of people that put out their uh services or should you just check popular streams for like a coaching section i know that uh you can go to tempestorm i know that you can go to iHearthU. and there's a couple other websites i think liquid hearth has also coaching services mm -hmm. and a lot of the top players in hearthstone let's say uh i know admirable was doing it for a bit uh colento mm -hmm. firebat Mo most of them offer some sort of coaching uh purple drank Zalay. they're all in this in different websites probably their team websites and they offer these services their rates may vary like if you're going for colento you might have to pay you know 80 to 100 dollars but if you're mm -hmm. going for maybe a less known player but that's also very good it might cost you more like you know 30 maybe 40 bucks an hour i would love to do training with talento sometime just to see him do an amused smile like every time i do a play <laughs> oh shoot <laughs> what did i do wrong talento <laughs> he's just smiling and shaking it, his it would be an interesting session with talento yeah. for sure i wonder if we'd be a little awkward. <laughs> Probably a little bit. I mean, he does. I, I believe he speaks a different native tongue, so there'd be a little of that lost in translation. <laughs> uh, but I'm, I'm sure he'd give a lot that, of That's also something to keep in mind when you're finding a coach. You know, just because they're the top one player in the world doesn't mean that they're the top one teacher of Hearthstone yeah. in the world. Yeah, and find someone that, you know, if you see them on their stream, would you connect with them? Do you think you get along with them and be able to exchange ideas freely? Yeah, that'll work yeah, a lot better. Like absolutely. Brian Kimbler, I think I would have loved doing a coaching session that'd be pretty cool i don't know if he offers coaching sessions though maybe yeah. if you offer him the right amount of money he would <laughs> 500 dollars for five minutes brian <laughs> <laughs> but, i challenge um, you that's awesome yeah so yeah your session how did that go? anyway during the session um it was really cool having a person that plays at that level of play because Obviously, the people who are at that level think about the game a little differently, and they see things that you don't see. Or if not, we would all be at that level, right? <laughs> um, the well, main Hearthstone thing has that no I skill, noticed, remember. <laughs> no, sure. absolutely no skill. So luck. <laughs> uh, they, they're just very lucky. 
Exactly. <laughs> and he shared some of his awesome luck with you. It's great. Exactly. exactly. He's, he's, a rabbit's sprinkled, foot in the he's sprinkled the luck on me. Gain a few ranks. <laughs> but uh, no, the main thing that I noticed about this guy was how much attention he was paying to our opponents. Um, mm. From the get-go of the match, he was looking at their hand, seeing how many cards they would mulligan. He would even look at their rank. He would look, I don't know, he would probably even look at their name to see if he had played against them before. Maybe to get any idea of what the other person was playing. Um, and he was very interesting because from turn one, every single thing, what card your opponent would hover over. I remember in one turn we were playing against a priest and he was turn one. And this priest hovers over two cards and he takes a moment to play the card. And from that, he instantly inferred that the priest had two plays on turn one. Um, and effectively, he played... It was a mech priest, which was really random at that rank. But he played um, the Cogmaster. Uh, mm-hmm. And just because he hesitated on that play, he right away inferred that the other card was a Northshire Cleric. And yep. from that point on, we started adjusting our plan to that and effectively the next turn the priest played the Northshire cleric <laughs> so it was like that sort of thing that sort of read that really caught my attention how he either would... that or just saying was spectating the other player as well without you knowing <laughs> ah and he was just tricking you <laughs> oh, no, it, it was all bait yeah, it was that's all what it was. it was all that stream was sniping that's how they get so far yep and he's just like and i will up my uh fee for this by five dollars uh, but no that's that's really cool and i've i've done that a couple times i'm definitely not an expert on that but i've been i've noticed being able to do the same when i take that time to pay attention so that that makes sense but i'm sure there's a lot of uh an in-depth level you get on that point because there are so many cards and and uh little maneuvers to memorize yeah and like if you uh, asked me like two months ago if i was if if i wanted coaching i probably would have taken it but like back then i think i was a better player because i played more and (laughs) the idea of coaching is to take you from a good player to a great player Rather than taking you from an average player, which is what I feel like I am now, into a good player, which yeah, Billy, I think you and I uh, just we could benefit from more like dedication and volume of play before we go into coaching. Well, no, don't get don't get me wrong. I think both of you are a good place if you wanted to get some coaching. I'm saying Hmm. you know have some idea of how the game works. As at least know have an idea of the deck you want to learn, how it kind of works. You don't have to be an expert already on the deck. Just don't be clueless when you go into it. <laughs> yeah, that's a good point. I don't I think, think maybe you've seen like... me play recently. I'm not that good. <laughs> <laughs> I think maybe like I I could see it, maybe give myself a couple weeks to dedicatedly focus on the deck and then go into coaching from there. I don't think like yeah. it's an unattainable thing for me. I just don't think tomorrow I'd say, I'm going to go get some Control Warrior coaching. Yeah, absolutely. I, I haven't even dedicatedly played Control Warrior in you know a month or two, but... I, I I am interested in pursuing that if I end up, you know, increasing my Hearthstone volume a lot in the near future. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and that's another thing to note, right? Uh, Hearthstone coaching is for somebody who wants to get very serious about this and who yeah. really wants to improve their game and reach legend or maybe mm-hmm. improve in their tournament play and they want, they want to get into the competitive scene. If you're just playing Hearthstone for fun, then coaching is probably not something you'd really want to waste your time on unless you just have a lot of spare money and time and you just (laughs) want to you know 
hang yeah, out with somebody that knows a lot about the game. Player, if you got money in your casual player, don't be spending it on coaching. Be spending it on those packs. And those the <laughs> only thing I might advise you to spend it on is arena coaching because that's investing in a way to yeah, get yourself more packs. Yeah, that's actually a good point. Um, but yeah, like for me right now, I still don't have a Sylvanas, so I should probably buy some packs. <laughs> yeah. Because <laughs> I'm going to go into coaching and my coach is going to say, get Sylvanas, and then hang up the call. And I'm like, shoot, that's a good point, coach. <laughs> yeah, yeah allow, me, allow me to go do that. So yeah, anything you learned from that other than the uh, watching the opponent? Like anything about your deck in particular? Yeah, well, he was uh, very descriptive about Warrior in general. And um, he, his main comment when we started the coaching session was how uh, Warrior never played on curve. And it just played around the the most optimal play for the turn while planning ahead. Uh, he yeah. said even Control Warrior was not a on-curve deck. It was more about no. a very uh, responsive and very kind of like controlling deck. Yeah, uh, Tempo with, is not a concern. Yeah, exactly. Tem- especially Patron Warrior. Like some of your deck, uh, some of your turns are so clunky and so weird. Uh, and he, then again, his ability to be able to read his opponent that well was actually, was actually very helpful in those sort of situations because... He would the constantly the whole time he would be thinking, What is my opponent gonna play next turn? He could play a Belcher, he could play this, he could play that. And depending on what the worst thing your opponent was able to play, then he, he would be like, Okay, we should maybe play Death Spite here and actually go face so we can have it ready for next turn. Um or he would call out like, Well, our opponent's probably gonna do this next turn, so we should try to cycle right now as much as we can to mm-hmm. try to draw into this, this and that. So it was always it was always the the way he was playing it was very centered about towards his opponent, which, which was actually pretty eye opening for the patron warrior, because a lot of decks sometimes don't have to pay as much attention to their opponent, like um Combo Druid, where you're more concerned about taking over the board and getting your opponent to 14 rather mm-hmm. than like, oh, I have to play around this and around that. You're you're more like putting up the pressure. Not that you don't have to think what your opponent's doing, yeah. obviously, but with this deck, you really, really have to be paying attention. Well, Patient Warrior is an interesting deck because I haven't played it extensively, but it seems to use your own opponent's creatures against them if they play things like in the wrong order because you can bounce your patrons off them and that sort of thing. So it seems like something that if you can accurately predict your opponent, you can really take advantage of the order in which they're playing things and when they yeah. play them. The other thing he had very clear was when to capitalize, when to mm. uh, get that patron warrior out and play. Sometimes on certain turns uh, where I would hesitate, I'd be like, I don't know about patron right here because I'll, I'm only going to be able to create two copies. And then he would be, well, your opponent can only do this, this, and this. And he already used this. So he's not going to be able to use this. And it's it's eighth turn. So if he does this, then he's not going to be able to get back wow. on next turn. And it was like this whole analysis of it, which made a lot of sense. And then, of course, we play the Patron Warrior, only two copies of it. Our opponent can deal with it the next turn. We just won the game. Mm, yeah, that's that's fascinating stuff because it's every turn becomes a, a much broader calculation because when you're just looking at your own cards, you know, the amounts of moves you can make are pretty slight um, in Hearthstone. You know, you have a pretty limited amount of mana, pretty limited amount of cards. Uh, but when you then take in 
um, like how many different factors they could have. Suddenly there are like a hundred more things to weigh when you're considering like what to play. Yeah, absolutely. Um, also towards the end of the coaching session, once uh, our, our time was over, he, mm -hmm. he offered me if I wanted to uh, come and, and join him to spectate him climbing his own ladder. And I was uh -huh. like, yeah, of course, I would love that. And we jumped to the ladder. He was already top eight at the moment. Jeez. Oh, uh, so it was really exciting. And we were on the Skype call together. And it, <laughs> his first opponent, I think, was Forsen. Um, <laughs> and it was really funny because instantly Forsen messages him. And he's like, uh, hey, good luck, uh, blah, blah. I don't know, something. So obviously, they already kind of know who each other are. And they face <laughs> each other at that rank already. Uh, Forsen was playing at Druid. And it was such a cool game. It was, I don't know, it swung back and forth so many times. And I think uh, towards the end, Forsen was able to pull off the win with like three health left or something like that. It was a really, really close game. <laughs> but it was really exciting to see him go with the back and forth and then being able to be in the Skype call with him yeah. and uh, getting his insight on how the plays were going and yeah. what Forsen was going to do. And the whole thing was, was very exciting. Yeah, that actually sounds pretty dang fascinating. I would like to do that even if, you know, I'm not quote-unquote, like, it's not the most effective time for me to do coaching. I think that would just be, like, a fascinating experience, um, just even one time to see, like, what that what that's like. That almost interests me more than the direct coaching, is just, like, watching these guys play and get to, get to be there with them and ask them questions as yeah, they play. Yeah, that, that part was uh, really fun. I really enjoyed that part. Uh, as, a, right. as a funny comment, though, um, another game that he was playing, he was playing against this hunter, and... Uh -huh. It was a very intense game, and the hunter got really lucky a lot of the times, you know, with uh, rolling huffer and other couple of things, and brought mm -hmm. him really low. But he played it really well, playing around everything. And um, at the end, the hunter was at five life, and he was at three life. The hunter was out of cards and had a secret in play. So he calculated everything. He was like, okay, if it's freezing trap, I can do this. If it's explosive trap, I can do this. If it's uh, snakes, I can do this. And he pretty much had the game won. And at that point, I was like, he, he played his turn perfectly. And then <laughs> at the last play of the game, he attacks the hunter with his face to give the final killing blow. Uh -oh. And this trap explodes and is freaking misdirection which directs him into an acolyte of pain that has been buffed oh, and no. kills him, losing him the game. Wrecked. And we were both just static, just like, what destroyed. the hell just happened? He was like, he was like top, like rank 25, and this was like a rank 2 hunter or something like that. Oh no! Get and destroyed. I don't know. It was it was just like the funny moment, the funny moment that of that session. Jazz. <laughs> no, I bet he was speechless for a second. He was like, "Wait, what?" <laughs> it's, yeah, it's funny how you can get like when you're when you're playing at low levels, you you anticipate it could be anything. So that's where you can get yourself into trouble is when you're too sure of what your opponent has. Then you're just like, eh, of course it's that card. And then it, you just don't even think yep. about like, what if it's a completely different secret? Like what's your contingency plan? <laughs> yeah. So that's really funny. I thought it was really that's awesome. something that I think players like Trump do really well. They mm. consider every option, not just the standard option. Yeah. 
True, although I don't think anybody would have seen that one coming. <laughs> yeah, I know. It's just like a it's just something I particularly notice in Trump, who's somebody I don't watch a lot, but whenever I do I notice he does think yeah. about every single option, not just the yeah. main ones everyone uses. Totally. Like for example, he could have just been, Well, I might as well attack with a minion just in case it's like this other secret or something. Uh but yeah, yeah. it can be hard to do when you're about to win like that. Uh one other quick question I had about how the coaching session went is how did you find like I'm curious in his teaching style, did he often like let you say what play you thought you would do first? Did he let you like make plays? Yes, yeah, so before we you? started the session, he did make it clear that uh, his preferred way of teaching was if you told him what you would do and Perfect. then he would tell you what he would do or he would just be like, yeah, that sounds good. I think that's great because it gives him a chance to intercede before you actually make the move, but it's giving you a chance to play yourself. Yeah, exactly. He's not ideas. the the point is you don't want him to play for you. You want to yeah. play and then have him point out what you might be able to do better. Yeah. Cool. Yeah, I was I was hoping that was the case because I think that's I definitely found that the best way to teach people in playing Hearthstone. So that's. I'm excited to try that now. Uh, did How much did that one cost you? Did you do an hour? He was or? doing, I think, $30 an hour. So he's okay. not super That's expensive. Fair. I might actually check that out as well. If he's warrior expert, maybe he does control yeah. warrior. And I, it's yeah. A, it's a good time, you know what I mean? If yeah. you have extra bu- extra 30 bucks lying around and an extra hour or two that yep. you're not doing anything, you know, so he's a cool guy. And, like, if you... There's a lot of coaches out there who are actually really cool too. So, you know, you get to hang out with a person who knows how to play Hearthstone really well. And uh, you get to learn a little bit. Very cool. Well, that's an awesome topic, Andres. I completely didn't expect that because I hadn't really con- even thought about Hearthstone coaching in a long time. So thank you for bringing that. Yeah, no problem. It was neat. All right. So it goes on to my topic here. Um, so this is sp- a topic that is specifically not about Hearthstone. And before... Uh, Poor people get too freaked out and say, are they talking about Batman again? It's actually <laughs> <Yes>. about <laughs> it's actually about every card game other than Hearthstone. And that could include a Batman one if it's out there. But I just thought it'd be interesting to explore, like, for each of us, what were our backgrounds with card games before Hearthstone or uh, after it? Have we played any others or did we get into any card games because of it? So, Billy, you go ahead and start us out here. Uh, so I played this Batman card game when I was a child. Um, <laughs> no, when I when I was younger, I I had a fascination with Yu-Gi-Oh, as a lot of yeah younger audiences do. Uh, however, a, a lot of you know kids I hang out with, well, I hung out with. Obviously, I'm not hanging out. There. The point is, uh, <laughs> every child looked at Yu-Gi-Oh cards as like, oh, this you know, look at this pretty art, right? But I yep. always wanted to play with the cards, and it was really depressing to me because none of my friends did actually want to play with the cards. As a kid who was into Pokemon, just, they just wanted to collect them and yeah. just collected the cards. I, I, I feel was I was the part same, of the actually. problem. <laughs> oh, you are a part of the. You guys suck. How I was the same oh as you, God. Brian. Granted, this was when I was like ten years old. You be safe here. <laughs> All right. Well, all right. So when I so being a person who had all these Yu-Gi-Oh cards and never got to play with them. Uh, when I was a little bit older, um, I had like a PC year game like that I had from when I was a kid. I just yep. installed it and messed around with it a little bit. And then I was just messing around on YouTube and I came across a Hearthstone video. And I'm like, wait a minute, there's an actual online trading card game that I can go play. <laughs> Let's go do that. Uh, and then obviously that's where I found Hearthstone. And since then I've branched off and done other card games. I've played uh, Infinity Wars, which is a free-to-play card game on Steam. Played a tiny bit of Magic on Steam. Uh, I've 
played uh, da, 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 the Pokemon trading card game uh, on the online app. And yeah, I've branched off to a lot of card games. My most favorite card game that's not Hearthstone would probably have to be the Pokemon one because the Pokemon one's actually pretty Pokemon good. Pokemon is really good. I has like a, that a lot. very unique setup to it. Like it plays yeah. pretty differently than anything else. Uh, I like the win condition, which is like yeah. essentially just beating up all their Pokemon. It simulates <laughs> the actual Pokemon games which came before really well. It wasn't just magic with Pokemon skin. It was like you have your team of Pokemon out there, you evolve them, you attach uh you use like their couple different abilities and swap out between them to be effective against what the other person has out. So they did a really good job translating yeah. those rules. Uh, it's surprisingly think, basic, but surprisingly complex yeah. at the same time. Like I was able to, my uh, my nephew was staying with us for quite some time, and yeah. he had a bunch of Pokemon trading card games, uh, sorry, trading cards, and I wanted to teach him how to actually play them because he was like you scrubs, and <laughs> wanted to just look at the artwork. I'm like, no, 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 let's play the game, <laughs> and uh, and he really liked it once he understood the rules, and it was really easy for him to pick up on on that. So. Nice. nice. Yeah. So, Andres, what about you? Where do you start in this wild world of trading card games? I guess the first experience I've had with cards was the Pokemon game, too, when I was a really young kid. But, yeah, I was like like you. I never played them. I just collected <laughs> them. and kinda, I kind of, like, tried making <sighs> up my own rules. But it looks so really pretty. Work out. Uh, <laughs> and, yeah, none of my friends really play with them. So, that was that. Um, yep. And then later on, when I was a teenager... Uh, I started getting into magic. I remember my friend was like, hey, dude, I learned about this really cool game. Uh, we, I know this store where they sell it. We should just go get some decks. And I had no idea about the about the game, but the way he told me about it really sounded fun. So we bought a few decks, and oh my god, I fell in love with that game. I was so addicted to it. From that point on, I think I spent like every afternoon playing with my friend with my little soldier's white deck again his his ah, like yeah. multicolor slivers deck they were both like those pre-made decks that they sold yeah. at the time so you were basically uh, playing paladin he was playing something that still has no remote equivalent in hearthstone <laughs> yeah exactly like it's just horrible <laughs> monsters that you, you can't kill because they start helping they each other murlocs <laughs> oh there you go yeah there murlocs go. are like the most the, the closest to slivers actually yeah they don't come close though <laughs> <laughs> no, not not even. Uh, yeah, but so yeah, there's... Magic was like my first love of card games. I, I love that game and I played competitive for a little bit. Fortunately, there was like a card store uh, right down yeah. the street from my house that uh, held like Friday Night Magics and other tournaments, like national tournaments and stuff. So that was like a, I don't want to say thriving competitive scene, but there was a competitive scene in my city. Yeah, that's what I was thinking about Magic is if you live in a relatively large city or even a lot of small ones, they have great presence everywhere. It's kind of yeah. the ubiquitous physical trading card game. Yeah, it's a very that's international That's the terrible game. thing about Australia. Nothing exists <laughs> out here. <laughs> uh, <sighs> I wish what I about, what about you, Brian? Okay, so me, like you, I started with Pokemon, but it was just collecting the cards. I didn't really play that game until a oh, while later. Scumbags. Probably the primary way I played the Pokemon trading card game was in the Pokemon trading card uh, Game Boy Color game, which I got a little while down the road, and that was what? awesome. There was a Game Boy Color uh, Pokemon trading card game, and it was oh, really But well if you're done. on Game Boy, you screw the trading card game. We've got the brilliant 
actual games. Okay, so that is true, but I actually like the <laughs> gameplay of the trading card games more than the combat system from the RPGs. I just think it works incredibly well. I from, from a young... Hey, I love the RPGs. I just think that the combat system in the... Uh, the pure combat system in the trading card game is awesome. And I've just, since a young age, been fascinated by trading card games. Um, apparently not playing them until they were made into video games. But yeah. <laughs> uh, but yeah, going from there, I it was like you, Andres. I was initiated into Magic before anything else. I mean, I was incredibly late to Magic, considering it came out like in 92 or something. And I got into it maybe four years ago, three or four years ago. So oh, I was very recently. Yeah, I was very late. I was introduced to it, actually, once again, through an online format. My very initial introduction to Magic was in one of those probably illegal programs that let you, like, download and play all the cards with people online. Um, so my first experience was, here is every single card ever created for Magic. Build a deck. <laughs> and I'm like... Yeah, okay. that's going to be a painful experience right there. <laughs> My deck was ludicrous, uh, and my friend was learning the same way. So we built some of the most ridiculous decks and had no idea how, how the actual fundamentals of magic work. But over time, I became more normal and bought actual cards for it. And How does that even work? Like, how many, like, yep. as, as a new player, like, how do you put yep. that many land? Like, how do you figure out how many lands to put in and stuff like uh, that? I had a friend teaching me the very basics, um, uh, okay. but yeah. I was yeah. I wasn't just like reading a rule book. I had someone giving me some advice, but it would have been hilarious. Yeah, because magic magic does take some (laughs) initiation. I don't think it's a game you just pick up out of nowhere. Yeah, well, Billy, it got pretty bad. We just didn't even think about like adding any enchantment destruction in our decks or anything. So I could just play this card that said ground creatures can no longer or creatures without flying can no longer attack, and my opponent just couldn't do anything about it. (laughs) I can't. What a bully! What a bully, Brian! (laughs) It was amazing. I ended one game with 3,000 Pegasi tokens. Sorry, 30,000 Pegasi tokens. Uh-huh. And at 30,000 life, I still lost the game, but we'll go into that story another time. That was a dumb game. Anyway, uh, but yeah, I got into the physical format later and still play it some to this day. Uh, Hearthstone really took my primary trading card time. The thing I mostly play Magic for is the commander format, which is the format where you have 100 cards, Every card is different. You cannot run like copies of the same card. So it's like this really crazy format where every game is different. And the tactics, it's kind of like the opposite of Hearthstone, where it thrives on so much complexity, you can't predict what's going to happen next. You just have to make the best moves for the current scenario. As compared to Hearthstone, which is like a very, um, what would you say? A very cut down, like Blizzard does, it cuts it down to the very fundamental. So every decision you make is impactful. There just aren't, there isn't nearly as huge of a variety of decisions. So I kind of go to magic nowadays for the opposite of what I'm getting from Hearthstone, if that makes sense. Yeah, Commander sounds really cool. My roommate keeps wanting me to build a Commander deck. I just I just haven't gotten around to it. But uh, it seems cool just because every yeah. game is completely different. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, the commander rules themselves are super interesting. I won't go into them because they're really confusing until you get it. But yeah. it basically lets you create a deck around one specific creature that you can keep playing. So if you, you can like find these different legendary creatures and say, oh, that's awesome. So it'd be like if you could keep playing um, Ysera multiple times and they remove it and then you can play it again for more mana. So it's like you can build these decks around these specific creatures and it really adds some flavor to them, the kind of synergies you can create, being able to count on getting this one creature out over and over again. Yeah, uh, but since yeah. the decks are 100 cards and you can only have one copy of each card, it's very, yeah. uh, the decks are, the games get pretty crazy. 
For sure. And since Magic lets you combine different colors, it's basically like you could play in Hearthstone the equivalent of like a hybrid priest warrior warlock deck with a hundred <laughs> cards that are all different. And yeah, it's just it's yeah. ludicrous. Yeah, it gets pretty crazy. But it's fun. Uh, I just like it for very different reasons than I like Hearthstone. So I kind of keep both of them going in their own ways. But Hearthstone definitely captured my my imagination in terms of what I play the most in trading card games yeah. nowadays. Funnily enough, like I played Magic for a long time and then I kind of fell mm-hmm. out of it. I sold my whole collection, which is something that I still regret. Uh, I yeah. wish I had kept it now in hindsight. Um, but then like way later than the line, when Hearthstone came out, I started playing Hearthstone and it kind of like reminded me of that love of card games that I had. I was like, oh man, I remember what it was like to uh, collect your cards and like build your decks and then learn your decks. And like, I don't know, it's such such a cool format of game Yeah, uh, that it got me back into Magic. It was uh, recently because of Hearthstone that me and my roommates were like, okay, we should uh, we should buy a Magic box. And we we've played a couple of booster drafts like here at the house. We invited like some people. We did like mm-hmm. eight man booster drafts, which is really cool. Is like think about oh, like a, I do that arena. A lot now. Yeah, it's like yep. arena, but for Magic, you just yep. open open packs and then you build the decks from whatever cards you get in the packs. Yep, it's that really, is it's actually, really fun. For sure, that's the primary way I play Magic. I played through the whole like recent block. Uh, just doing that for every set, and it's fantastic. Yeah, especially on the releases, uh, when they mm-hmm. do the huge booster drafts at the stores and stuff, that's really yeah. fun. For sure. I think probably the thing that has kept me coming back to Hearthstone the most over Magic, uh, one is that it's Warcraft, and I'm just a huge Warcraft fan. <laughs> uh, and Magic, I don't... The world and lore aren't nearly as interesting to me. Or as, I, you know, you know I think Magic has a n- very interesting lore. The problem with it is that it's not a continuous lore. It's just like mm-hmm. very... They do anything they want. Exactly. It's a lot of different universes and different like storylines that don't really like fit with each other so yeah. there's no i feel like the 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 thing that warcraft has over that is that the characters have been built over a long period of time right totally. years and years and like people grow fond of these characters and is a character you can look up to and follow and uh expect but when right. but in magic since they're not you know pushing the same characters you kind of you kind of don't fall in love with any of them yeah, not only that, but I think uh, it's not the trading card game is one of the worst ways to tell a story. Like you can't get a yeah. lot of story across in a trading card game unless you like create a campaign around it or something in a video game. That's very true. So Warcraft did the smart thing of this is a trading card game, you know, based after an existing license, and you can go to that license's other properties to learn about it. In Magic's case, unless they like tell people to write books about their lore, which you know are, can be hit or miss, as we've learned with a lot of different you know uh, uh, created books like that. Um, you can't really find out the lore through the cards very well. So you just had to be going to other sources to find out about it. So I think it works a lot better having existing lore that's created in things that aren't trading card games. For sure. Than, than have to make it up there. But yeah, I agree with you completely. Draft is an incredibly fun way to play Magic. Uh, I think probably the other primary thing that keeps you coming back to Hearthstone is how much easier it is to get competitive in that game. Uh, Absolutely. And I think that's what puts Hearthstone ahead of uh, many, or if not all, card games right now. <laughs> And yeah, it's not just the complexity of the game, the the relatively limited complexity, that's huge. It's the mm-hmm. ease of being able to face a wide variety of players in it 
Uh, in, in Magic, if you want to face someone other than your close group of friends, you have to like spend an entire Friday night just to get a, like a couple ladder games in, or the equivalent of exactly. it. Exactly. Um, or you could buy the Magic online, but then you're going to just end up pulling your hairs out anyway. So. <laughs> yeah, it's not very elegant. So hard to I've heard they're trying to rework that. Yeah, I, I'm curious. I to see surely what hope so. Yeah, for sure. But I think Hearthstone just, you know, provides that very easy time. It respects your time, but also lets you dump time into it if you want. So it's a way you can actually play a card game at a high level and feel you're playing it your best and competitively without, yeah, you know, exactly. Play, playing Hearthstone doesn't require a big commitment like other yeah. card games do. For sure. So yeah, that uh, that's really interesting. I'm, I'm, it was cool to kind of see where we all came from. Andres, you and I seem to have a very similar background um, yeah, for in card sure. games. Billy, I'm sorry, we, we ruined everything. <laughs> I'm sorry, we ne- we never got into Pokemon. Although it does look it does look really cool. I I yeah. wish I could play some Pokemon because I never played it with the actual rules. There's a free to play online app. Yeah, similar to it's Hearthstone. Pretty good. Oh really? Yeah. Yeah. We should check that out. Yeah, I might check we should it do out, a yeah. video, Billy. We should do a video of you and me playing Pokemon. You, you should do awesome. a video of you guys teaching me how to play Pokemon. <laughs> I love this. This is great. <laughs> Throw Andres into a match and say, figure it out. All right, uh, lastly, <laughs> Billy, we don't have much time here, but I wanted to go ahead and just uh, talk about a card you made. Uh, I'm going to toss it. I, I'm sorry for anyone who looked at it in the show notes last time. I totally forgot to link it. This time I wow. will link, uh, link Billy's cards in the show note here so you can see it. But you've created another uh, of your own creations for Hearthstone. Yeah. I'm actually going to be doing this every week. It's going to be a weekly yeah. segment thing. And we uh, don't have a name for it, despite my worst attempts. <laughs> <laughs> all right it's, it's it's kind of a hard segment to name yeah. maybe maybe you guys can help us out with that and you guys can maybe yeah maybe give us sure. a name for this segment but uh i have made a warlock weapon which is is kind of something that's that hasn't been seen in hearthstone before warlock and this card weapon. is this 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 card is called necronic wand that's a great name it, by the way thank you it's a two cost weapon has three durability and no attack. Allow me to explain. Hold on. I uh, don't understand this card. <laughs> the ability reads, can't attack. At the end of your turn, give plus one, plus one to a random friendly demon. Now, the idea behind this card is that you'll get six, six, sta- uh, sorry, yeah, wait. Three, three. Uh, three, three, so six, six overall yeah. stats out of this weapon for two mana, which is obviously really good. But okay. you have to have a friendly demon on the board for this to work now as far as i'm aware if this effect was in hearthstone the way it would work is if the end of your turn if there's nothing if there's no friendly demon the effect would trigger anyway um because of the way that dark cultist works right because when dark cultist dies you still see the effect try to happen right you still see the glow um Mm. even if there's nothing there to give it uh give the stats to so sometimes this weapon wouldn't give the buff if there was no friendly demon. Although out. what the about reason- what about cards like um um explosive trap when there's like a freezing trap and an explosive trap and you or is it the other way around? Explosive if you attack and there's an explosive trap and a freeze trap. If the explosive trap kills whatever attacks, the freeze trap doesn't trigger. Well, that's different, because if it is the other way around, the freezing trap and the explosive trap, they both trigger. You are right about that. (laughs) I don't Um, know my trap logic well enough. (laughs) And besides, we're talking about a secret 
uh, interaction rather than this type of interaction, which I think the Dark Cultist is a closer comparison. Anywho, point being, the very best is is from this card is is six stats for two. Most of the times it will be four for two in right. roughly. Anywho, point being, I made this card because I think that uh, the current demon decks have a lot of little one one tokens for demons, and it would be nice to be able to make them a little better with stuff like implosion. Uh, this would synergize really well with uh, imp master has some potential synergy. Um, I think it's a cool card, but I want to hear you guys' opinion on it. Sure. Uh, quick note before that. So I was confused by this card because it doesn't say anywhere that it loses one durability. Um, oh yeah, I apologize. That's 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 my bad. He's okay, cool. Can you? One, uh, would you be able to? Would it even sort of, fit? Sorry, go on. Yeah, yeah. Would it, would the text even fit there? Because I know that is, that text is on Sword of Justice. Um, I don't the think text it is. Would f- the text w- uh, is it? I looked it up. Um, it because is? Okay. I'm I'm fancy that way, and I can read Sword of Justice. Whenever you summon a minion, give it plus one plus one, and this loses one durability. Ah. Okay, that's it. Right. Well, I I will I should change that then. I cool. Bother. Yeah, if you could send me the new image, I, I just I'm make pretty sure. sure uh, I'll have to take out can't attack from it and just have it be a zero yeah. attack weapon, but. That. I like the idea that you can smack your face into something, though, because think about it, as a warlock, that could be good. So you could, like, That's smack your idea. face into someone. You could someone. run it in handlocks to, like, yeah. purposely lower yourself. I like yes. it. I'm getting rid <laughs> of the con attack. Exactly. The weapon officially now reads, at the end of your turn, give plus one, plus one to a random friendly demon uh, and lose, and this loses one durability. Perfect. Man, I love that strategy now, just slamming your head into things. <laughs> <laughs> That's probably the reason Warlock currently doesn't have a weapon. Yeah, probably. <laughs> I'm going to keep the con attack for balancing yep. issues. Yep. Okay, yeah, I think, I think you should keep it because you could play like Nefarian against the rogue and get like deadly poison or something and then you can attack. <laughs> That's awesome. I That's OP. Yeah. Someone <laughs> um, all right. So, or you could, you know, run a pirate deck uh, or like, you know. True green that? skin. Yeah, totally. So, a warlock pirate coming soon. As for what I think of this uh, <laughs> this card, I think it. Okay, so maybe it has a place like in Zulok, or is do you think the tempo is too low for that, Andres? Because I'm trying to figure out. Like, it seems like definitely, uh, obviously, not a handlock card. It's so, kind of an idea of. It's kind of the idea of spawning a new type of deck that mm. works off of the tokens from demonish cards like Imp Master Implosion. Um, Imp Gang boss and stuff like that. I see. That's cool. The one thing that I really like about this card is that is a uh, handlock weapon, which I've for the longest time I really wanted them to introduce this sort of thing, like weapons for every class, even though they're not a weapon class. Just making stuff like this, where it's not meant to attack other minions, but it's meant to give an effect, kind of like enchantments. But you can you can just use the weapon slot since it's already there, right? So you play it, it's a permanent thing that has an effect, maybe at the end of the turn, maybe when you play a minion, maybe when you, I don't know, play a spell, whatever it be. But I, I love this idea of having weapon cards for all the classes, just that depending yeah, on the class... Yeah, because a weapon doesn't necessarily have to be a weapon. It could just be in that slot. Yeah, it could be like what you said, like, like a scepter or a wand, or it can even be a shield. What if it gives you like protective abilities or stuff? I don't know, there could be mm-hmm. like so many things that you could do with it. I like it. Um, I I was thinking about the plus one plus one effect, and it would be 
it would be cool. I don't know just how much impact it would have on the decks that it that exists right now. But you're right. If you're aiming it more towards like a token deck, with, taking care of like smaller minions, it'd be cool. But what if what if the effect was the other way around? Like at the end of your turn, give an opponent minion minus one minus one. That's a cool thought because warlocks are very big on damage over time. Um, I guess yeah. My one thought about this particular effect is a 3-3 three, three for 2 that has a chance to proc but not likely and spread it over 3 turns just seems too weak to play because you could play 3-2 two for 2 really easily well the idea um, is to not play it on 2 the idea okay. is that maybe you on turn 3 you could play a flame imp with this or on turn uh, 4 the previous turn you could play the imp gang boss or an imp master and then you could mm -hmm. tap into necronic wand or maybe play Necronic Wand and uh, a two-drop. I don't think there is a two-drop demon right now. Uh, Mistress of Pain? There you go, Mistress three. of Pain. Yeah, okay. uh, so you could Mistress of Pain, Necronic Wand on turn four. The idea is to play it with other stuff rather than playing it on its own. Obviously, you won't get the buff that way unless you played like a flame the previous time. Yeah. Gotcha. The, reason, the reason I was saying maybe if it was the other round, if it gave minus one, minus one to the other creatures, is that that way it can be like a very like board centric kind of like control deck where you're trying to outvalue your opponent with your mid-rangey like three to third turn to six turn kind of creatures um and it could be maybe like minus one minus one to a non-demon the way i look at it is some cards have to be bad and i look at this as like a uh blessing of kings almost like it's good in very very rare situations <laughs> but it's a fun card I guess so you're not trying idea. to make it like a... Yeah, I wasn't looking for a top-tier card here. I was just make, coming up with a cool idea that uh, that works with a new type of, of yeah. Warlock. Mm -hmm. I definitely think it's on the right course. I think it's one of those cards that the specifics of it would need to be tweaked just because it's um, it's kind of unexplored territory, especially for Warlock, to see like how the demon synergy and stuff could work. But mm -hmm. the thing I do like about it is I like the idea of this low-cost weapon. I like the idea of a warlock like using this wand to buff his own minions. And I love the idea of uh, utility weapons being more of a thing. Because I think that is I think that is the way to go for introducing weapons to new classes without making them just feel like we gave all classes weapons if they want to go that route. Granted, yeah. it would also make stuff like Harrison even more playable, which is great. That is for Harrison. Uh, granted, you can never get more than two cards from this thing, I believe. I believe yes. you're right. Wait, no, there would be a way. You could play the Chronic Wand and the Green Skin, and then they could play Harrison. And then they would get three cards. <laughs> Thank you, Ryan. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I think it's pretty neat. I like it a lot. What, what were your thoughts on it, Billy? Were you, were you happy with how it turned out? Yeah, I think it's... I, I, obviously, it's not a top-tier card or anything, yep. but I think it's a nice addition to trying to introduce a new type of weapon into the game because we haven't mm -hmm. really explored, like, uh, wands or staffs yet in the game, yeah. and I think eventually they will. Uh, so I thought I would uh, jump the gun and get what one if, there. What if it was whenever your opponent plays a minion, give it minus one, minus one? Like, reverse... That's a really cool thought. Like, reverse... Uh, What's the name of the paladin? Sword of Justice. That's, yeah, Reverse Sword of Justice. That's that's I, I may already have, have done that for for another card. <laughs> <laughs> right. Awesome. And, I like that a lot. I also love the art you chose for this one, which is like a skull on a stick with bat wings and green fire. Like if that's not a warlock, 
then I don't know what it is. Yeah, that's that's some art from the TCG, I believe. Yeah, TCG had a lot of great art. It is uh, very helpful for these custom Hearthstone cards sort of thing. All right, well, that'll do it for our episode this week. I uh, thank you guys both for coming. Yeah, absolutely, Brian. It's always very fun to record with you guys and have a little chat about Hearthstone. Absolutely. I was really interested in that in that coaching stuff. It got me thinking about that again, which I haven't in a very long time. And I thank you, Billy, for your card and wonderful presence, as always. Well, thank you for your thank you. <laughs> I appreciate it. Thank you for your thank you for my thank you. All right, we got a new iTunes <laughs> from you guys. Uh, new items review hell yeah yeah it was a five-star review uh the review title is first it is by wake and the body text is nailed it so <laughs> thank you sir for your review um i appreciate uh, the ironic cool, humor cool. <laughs> and yeah I, uh, hey that proves that he has been listening to the show which makes me even happier <laughs> that's a good point that's a good point um yeah thank you ev- thank you both him and uh what was it matador dog like the best name ever <laughs> thank you wake and matador dog for your reviews those are awesome yeah uh, thanks guys that else, really helps for sure it's a big it's a big thing it's the main way to give us feedback and reviews honestly in a public format i don't know of any other great podcast sources for that and itunes is the most popular one so yeah go ahead check us out on itunes and leave us a five-star review wait, if you feel wait. so inclined we will read it on the show comment on your wonderful sense of humor and be very thankful if you want to email us though and i would love to start getting emails in i think it'd be really fun to have like a uh a listener topic each week when we can fit them in. So if you want to email us any of your own topic ideas and have us discuss something in particular, like, I don't know, Batman, email us at hearthaholics at gmail.com. You can also tweet us random stuff and follow our goings-on at Twitter. Um, We are at hearthaholics. You can find us on YouTube by searching healthaholics. No, hearthaholics on YouTube. (laughs) Hearthaholics. A Hearthstone podcast. You can also find us on Facebook with that. And we are a part of the Whales Are Whales Network, which is a podcasting network with awesome, awesome, awesome. <laughs> podcasting awesome. internet media network with awesome those like this, with awesome people like us. So check out whalesarewhales.com. There is some great stuff for you to find there. And we do a game night for the Angry Chicken, fellow Hearthstone podcast who inspired all of this. Uh, check out their subreddit for details that I post every week on the forums. You'll find me there as Lord Meldor, or on the Reddit, I should say. So that brings us to our personal stuff. Andres, where can people find your work? People can find me personally on Twitter at iPlayGames. You spell that I-P-L-A-I games. Uh, you can also find my music at MassiveMusic.com. You can uh, listen to your music for free or buy it or um, do whatever you want with it if you go over to the website. You can also find me on SoundCloud.com slash Massive if you want to listen to all of our stuff over there too, including the intro theme for this podcast. Nice. Yes. That is awesome. Billy. Yes. My Twitter handle is at bbroly, and you can also find me on YouTube at youtube.com forward slash brolyhs, and to spite the title suggestion, I have actually been uploading Zero Hearthstone, deal with it. <laughs> uh, I've been uploading a lot of Heroes of the Storm, though, so if you're interested in that, that's... Uh, All you need to do is add two letters. Well, you know, no. <laughs> that requires effort. Also, Broly, you, can't change your, you can't change your YouTube URL. Oh, yeah. It's like so. the Angry Chicken is still StarCast, I believe, on yeah. YouTube. It's a bummer. I, they really need to implement that. But yeah, uh, that's that's really cool. If you want to find your Hearthstone content, check out the Hearthaholics YouTube content because that's your. Yes, absolutely. So 
Neat. Uh, myself, I am Lord Meldor on the Twitter. Uh, I am a part of a lot of podcasts, so let me just run through this real quick. I do a lot of stuff for Wales and Wales, including <laughs> running it. I do Heart of the Holics, as you know. I do a video game music podcast called Train Station 8. Recently switched to a new format, so check that out if you want to hear me and my brother talking about video game music and interviewing a bunch of people from the video game music scene. I also do Third Person, a storytelling podcast, where I also have my brother on that show, as well as another friend, and we meet every week just to talk about different stuff in storytelling, any type of media, any type of medium. Um... And check it out there. We recently did an episode on the storytelling of Avengers Age of Ultron. And that is nice. spoiler-filled. So, Billy, don't listen to it. I know. I want to <laughs> listen to the episode, but I can't. <sighs> but anyone who does want to get spoiled on Ultron stuff and hear our varied perspectives, check Probably out. They already watched it since it's been out for, you know, a while now. <laughs> That's a good point. A lot of people probably already saw that movie given <laughs> box office numbers. So, yeah, check that out at whalesorwhales.com. You can just, honestly, that's the easiest place to find all of these shows. And that'll do it for me this week. Oh, and we mentioned it earlier, but the Whales or Whales podcast is a lot of fun. Not on iTunes yet, but you can find it on our site. Yeah. yeah. Also, we're on Stitcher. Forgot to mention that. And with that, I am done with plugging for this episode. We can move on to our outro, which is our flavor text of the week. Billy, you said you had it. Where the heck is it? It is, it is right here. Sometimes it feels like this is all again. Let's go. Let's go.